We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the seventh piece in Olchus Tumas Meis. This is Perak Yutes Halacha Aleph. And this Halacha in the Rambam deals with how the laws of Ohalos apply in a kaveras, a barrel. And Rab Chaim is going to have three pieces on this Halacha in the Rambam. So this Halacha in the Rambam is the one with the most pieces in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi. The Rambam writes, Kaveras Shimuteles Ba'aretz Vihib Soch Pesach If there's a barrel that's lying on the ground in the doorway of the house, Upi Halachutz. But it's facing outwards. So the barrel is lying in the doorway, but the opening of the barrel is towards the outside of the house. And there's a kazayis, the minimum olive size measurement in order to create tumah of a dead body that's lying on top or below the barrel on the part of the barrel which is outside the house. So the house itself is not an ohel on this dead body, but it's lying on top or below the barrel. So the Rambam rules kolsh Anything which is in the line of this tuma is tame, whether above or below, but the things in the barrel are protected. So according to the Rambam, the tuma shoots all the way up and down, but the things in the barrel are protected, so it goes around the barrel. That's how the Rambam rules in this case of the barrel. Now, the question is, if the barrel becomes tame, so then it cannot protect the tuma from coming inside of it. So the fact that the barrel protects the things inside of it means that this barrel must not be tame. But why is the barrel not tame when it's on top or below the tuma? So the Raivit already deals with this question, and the Raivit explains that we're dealing with a barrel of cheres, it's earthenware. So that's an unusual material. It doesn't become tame from the outside only if the tuma is inside of it. So that's why this barrel didn't be become tame. But if it would be a metal or a wooden barrel, so then it did become tame and it would not protect the things inside. So the Ravid limits this case to talking about an earthenware barrel. Now the Rambam does not limit it, so it sounds like according to the Rambam, the case is even if it's a metal or a wooden, any material of barrel. So the Kesef Mishnah quotes that the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah has a different approach to this, and that is the Rambam explains that this is talking about a very large barrel. It holds 40 saw. So that's no longer considered a vessel in halacha. It's now considered a room. The difference in halacha between a vessel versus an ohel, an actual house, is how big it is. So once it becomes a very big vessel, that transforms into an ohel. So that's the case here. This is a very big barrel, so it's not considered a vessel. It doesn't become tame. It's considered an ohel, and that's how it protects the things inside of it. Now, the Kesef Mishnah asks, if this is considered an ohel, so why doesn't it block the line of tumah and prevent it from continuing above or below? So the Kesef Mishnah explains that if the tumah is below the barrel, so since there isn't a tefach of airspace, it's tumah ritsutsa and it continues to shoot all the way up even though the barrel protects the things that are inside of it. But if the tumah is on top of the barrel, so that's more problematic, why does it continue all the way down? Why doesn't the barrel block it? So the Kesef Mishnah explains that a vessel only becomes an ohel in order to transmit tumah, but it does not become an ohel to block the tumah. So even though this barrel is large enough that it's considered an ohel, but the tumah still continues below it, it doesn't block the line of the 
Tuma, even though it does protect the things inside of it. So that's the approach of the Rambam from his commentary on the Mishnah, as explained by the Kesef Mishnah. Now, Rab Chaim questions this approach because the Rambam later in Halacha Dalit writes, If the Tuma was inside of the barrel, so then everything is Tameh. And the Rambam explains, Because vessels transmit the Tuma, but they don't block the Tuma. Then the Rambam continues, If this barrel that was lying on the ground had a hole and it was plugged up with straw, or it was larger than 40 saw, so it's a large barrel, it's not a vessel, it's considered an ohel. So now the Rambam rules, If there's a kazayis of the dead body under the barrel, so the tumah goes all the way down, but it does not go up. And if there's a kazayis of a dead body on top of the barrel, so then so then the tumah goes all the way up, but it does not go down. So the Rambam seems to say very clearly that if the barrel is large enough that it holds 40 saw, so it's considered an ohel, so then it does block the tumah, and the tumah only goes either up or down, depending on whether it's above or below the barrel, but it does not continue through the barrel. So that would mean in this halacha, when the Rambam says that the tumah goes up and down, it just doesn't go into the barrel, it's talking about a smaller barrel, which is not considered an ohel, it's considered a vessel, and that's why the tumah goes up and down. So the halacha later in halacha dalid seems to contradict the Kasef Mishnah's interpretation of the Rambam. So instead, Rab quotes that the El Yarabah in his commentary on the Mishnah, he explains that it is talking about a smaller barrel, so it is considered a vessel, but still it doesn't become Tameh because it's talking about a wooden barrel that has holes all over it, so in order for something wooden to become Tameh, it has to be able to hold things in it, and since this has holes all over, so it doesn't become Tameh. So that could be the explanation for the Rambam, that he understands this case like the El Yarabah, that it's talking about a barrel with holes in it. So now the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid is that according to the Raivid, we're talking about a cheres barrel. That's why the barrel doesn't become Tameh, whereas according to the Rambam, we're talking about a barrel with holes in it. So now Rab Chaim wants to understand what's behind this debate. So he explains by referring to a few other debates that the Rambam and the Raivid have in this context. The Mishnah says that if the Tuma was inside of the barrel, so everything is Tameh. So the way the Rambam explains that is that it means everything in the barrel, everything in the house, everything anywhere on top of the barrel, but underneath the barrel is not everything. It's just things that are directly under the Tumah. So the Rambam limits underneath the barrel that it's only Tameh, things which are directly under the Tumah, and the Ravid disagrees. He says that when the Mishnah says everything is Tameh, it should be taken literally. Everything in the barrel, everything on top of the area of the barrel, and everything underneath the area of the barrel. So now why does the Rambam limit underneath the barrel only to things that are directly under the Tumah. So Rab Chaim explains that this is based on a Mishnah in Olos chapter 15. If there's barrels that are next to each other that are lying or on their sides, and they're next to each other, so between each of them is an airspace of a Tefach. So now if there's Tumah under one of them, that Tumah is Bokasva 
it goes up and down, but it doesn't spread throughout the other barrels. Says the Mishnah, that's only when these barrels are tahor, they're pure, but if they were tamay, if all the barrels are Tameh and there's Tumah under one of them, so then they're all Tameh. So what we see from this Mishnah is that if there's a Tahor vessel, which has the rules of Tzamid Pesil, which means that a vessel protects the things that are inside of it, so that type of vessel also minimizes the airspace to prevent an Ohel. In order for there to be an Ohel, there has to be a Tefach of airspace, but if there's this Tahor vessel, which is protecting the things inside of it, which is minimizing that airspace, it prevents the Ohel, and instead the Tumah just shoots up and down, but it does not spread throughout. So now this explains why the Rambam rules that underneath the barrel is not Tameh, only directly under the Tumah, because even though theoretically the whole area under the barrel should be Tameh, but since this barrel would protect from the Tumah if it was underneath this, so if there was Tumah under the barrel, the things in the barrel would not be Tameh, so this barrel minimizes the airspace, which means that automatically there's no Tefach airspace underneath the barrel, because the barrel is on the ground, so anything underneath it is missing the Tefach of airspace, as we just said, that a vessel which would protect the things inside of it minimizes airspace. So in this case, the barrel minimizes the airspace underneath it, which means that there is no Tefach airspace underneath it, so that's why the Tumah doesn't spread throughout that area, only the place directly underneath the Tumah becomes Tameh, but the rest of the area is not because it's missing that Tefach airspace. And this is different than saying that the barrel protects the area underneath it, which is not true because a vessel is not a chatzitza. It doesn't block the Tumah from progressing. So this barrel would not stop the Tumah inside of it from continuing downwards. But here we're not using the barrel as a chatzitza. The barrel is minimizing the Tefach airspace underneath it, so since by definition there is no tefach airspace underneath it, the tumah does not spread throughout that area, and that's why the Rambam rules that the whole area under the barrel is not tameh, only the area directly underneath the tumah. So this explains the ruling of the Rambam that even though the Mishnah says when the tumah's in the barrel, everything is tameh, the Rambam limits underneath it that it's not all tameh, only the area directly underneath the tumah. Now why is that area tameh? So either it's because of the rule of Bokas Ola Bokas Redis, that Tumah goes all the way up and down. There's a direct line up and down of Tumah. So anything directly in that line is Tameh. Or it's because of Ohel. Since this person was underneath the Tumah, so anyone underneath or on top of Tumah becomes Tameh. So those are two possibilities why directly in the line of Tumah is Tameh. And neither of those requires airspace of a Tefach. Even though there's no airspace of a Tefach here, both of those types of Tumah would apply. As opposed to the Tumah where it spreads throughout the area, so if we were to say like the Raivid that the whole area underneath the barrel is Tameh, that would require a Tefach of airspace. And since according to the Rambam, we're missing that because the barrel minimized the Tefach airspace, so therefore the Tumah cannot spread all over underneath the barrel. So that's the explanation for the view of the Rambam. So now based on this, we can explain what the original Rambam and Raivid are disagreeing about, because earlier in Tess's 
in Halacha Vav, the Rambam rules that if there's a dead body just lying out in the open air, that would be Tuma Ritsutsa. The Tuma goes all the way up and down. The Raivid disagrees with him and he says that in that case, the Tuma does not go up and down unless it's in a confined space. So there's a debate between the Rambam and the Raivid whether the Halacha of Bokas Ola Bokas Vioretis, that Tuma goes up and down, applies when it's out in the open air. And they repeat this debate in this chapter in the case where the tuma is above the ground under an ohel of vessels. So the vessels don't stop it from traveling. So according to the Rambam, it's bokas ve'ola, bokas ve'oredis. It goes all the way up and down. And the vessels which are on top of it don't change that dynamic in any way. And the Ravid disagrees. He says, no, the tuma doesn't go up and down because even if there were no vessels, it was just in the open air, it would not be tuma ritsutsa. So this is a repeat of the debate whether whether a body in open air has tumaritsutsa. So now this explains how the Rambam interpreted the Mishnah. When the Mishnah says the case that there's tuma inside of the barrel, so the Rambam could easily read that that's talking about a vessel which is tahor, and even so, there's tumaritsutsa, because that's the whole idea of the Rambam, that if the dead body is in open air, even if it's under vessels, there's still tumaritsutsa. So in this case, even if the vessel is tahor, like the Eliyarabah said, because there's holes all over it, it's not going to change that there's tuma ritsutsa. So if there's tuma inside of it, it's tuma going up and down. So when the Mishnah said hakol tame, everything is tame. According to the Rambam, that means not literally everything. Everything on top and in the barrel and in the house, but underneath it, not everything is tame. Because since this is a tahor vessel, it minimizes the tefach airspace. Once there's no tefach airspace, then the whole area is not tame. Only directly under. Under the tuma. So according to the Rambam, we can read this whole case of the Mishnah talking about a Tahor vessel, and still there's Tuma Ritsutsa going all the way up and down because the vessel doesn't block the Tuma Ritsutsa. It's as if it's lying in open air, and according to the Rambam, there's Tuma Ritsutsa in that case. And when the Mishnah said Hakol Tame, it doesn't mean the whole area under the barrel is Tame, but only directly under the Tuma. So according to the Rambam, this whole Mishnah can be interpreted talking about a Tahor vessel. But according to the Raivid, this can't work because there's no Tumaritsutsa in that case. It's as if the body's in open air, so there's no Tumaritsutsa, so we're not going to be able to interpret that underneath it is Tame only directly under the Tuma. We have to understand that the whole area underneath it is Tame, and that would not be true if the vessel is Tahor. So the Raivid must say that this is talking about a Tame vessel. So the way the Raivid interprets this very brilliantly is that it's talking about about a cheres vessel. So now the equation is very brilliant. A cheres vessel does not become tame from tuma outside of it, only inside of it. So in the first case of the Mishnah, where the tuma was on top or below, the vessel does not become tame. That's why it protects the things inside of it. But in this case of the Mishnah, where the tuma is inside of the vessel, it does become tame. And that's why everything is tame, literally. Everything on top of that area, everything in the barrel, everything in the house, and even everything everything under the area of the barrel. Because since this is a Tame barrel, it does not minimize the Tefach airspace. As we saw in the Mishnah, that only a Tahor vessel minimizes the airspace, not a Tame one. And now, since this vessel became Tame, it no longer minimizes that Tefach airspace. So the Tuma now goes throughout the entire area underneath it, because it's as if there's a Tefach airspace underneath. But says Rab Chaim, as brilliant as this is, it doesn't really hold together. Because as Rab Chaim said earlier, 
there are two reasons why directly above and below the Tumah would be Tameh. Either because of Tumah Ritsutsa or because of Ohel. Anyone that's directly above or below a dead body is also Tameh. Now, Rab Chaim's equation only explained why, according to the Raivid, there's no Tumah Ritsutsa in this case because he doesn't believe in Tumah Ritsutsa for a body lying in the open air. But it doesn't explain why the other form of Tumah doesn't apply in this case. Because according to the Raivid, anyone that's above or below the Tumah should become Tameh because they were in Ohel, either above or below the Tumah. And that has to be the case because the Mishnah rules that if there's Tumah on top of the barrel, anyone beneath the barrel is Tameh. And according to the Raivid, there's clearly no Tumah Ritsutsa in that case because it's in the open air. So it must be because of Ohel. The person was underneath the Tumah. And even though there's a vessel between them, but the vessel doesn't protect the person because the vessel is not a barrier against Tumah. So the person becomes Tameh because they were underneath the dead body. So the same could be in this case. There's no no need for the Raivid to disagree with the Rambam's interpretation because there's no Tumah Ritsutsa, he could say that since there's Tumah in the barrel, anything which is directly underneath the area of the Tumah becomes Tameh, even though there's no Tumah Ritsutsa, because of the rules of Ohel, that since they were underneath the Tumah, they became Tameh, and the vessel is not going to protect them. So even though the Raivid disagrees with the Rambam about the criteria of Tumah Ritsutsa, he could have still interpreted this Mishnah like the Rambam. So so instead, Rab Chaim explains a less flashy approach that the Raivid is disagreeing with the Rambam, not because of his old view about Tumar Ritsutsa, but just because of a grammatical issue with the Rambam. He doesn't like that the Rambam interpreted the ruling of the Mishnah, Hakol Tameh, that everything is Tameh in a non-literal way. The Rambam holds that not everything is Tameh. Everything on top, everything inside is Tameh, but below, only things that are directly under the Tumah are Tameh. So that's not exactly what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said hakol tameh, and the Ravid wants to take that literally that everything is tameh. So in order to explain it that way, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam, and he argues that everything under the barrel is tameh, again, because since it's a barrel of cheres, once the tumah's inside of it, the whole barrel becomes tameh, so there's no minimizing the tefach airspace, so now there's an ohel under the barrel area, and everything under there becomes tameh. So in the end, Rab Chaim is attributing this debate between the Rambam and the Ravid how to interpret this Mishnah to a semantic issue about how literally to take the wording of the Mishnah. Now, for clarity's sake, I'm going to just run through the approach of the Rambam and the Ravid. The Rambam holds that we're talking about a vessel of wood with a lot of holes in it, so therefore it cannot become Tameh. So if there's Tumah beneath or above the barrel, it's going to continue in a straight line all the way up or down. The barrel does not break the Tumah because it's a vessel and vessels don't break the line of Tumah. So there's nothing to stop the Tumah from going going up and down, but the things in the vessel, the vessel does protect. So the tumah goes around them. When the tumah's inside of the barrel, so then everything in the barrel is tameh, as well as everything above it, but underneath it, only the things directly in the line of tumah are tameh, but not the things that are in the area underneath the barrel, because since the barrel is pure, it cuts into the airspace, so there's no tefach of airspace, so there's no ability for the tumah to spread throughout that area. So only things directly in the line of 
Tuma are Tame, and that's either because there's Tuma Ritsutsa, based on the Rambam's view that even a body in an open area has Tuma Ritsutsa, which is the equivalent of a body in a barrel, because the barrel is a vessel, so it doesn't break the Tuma. So that would be considered Tuma Ritsutsa. Or alternatively, it's because of the rules of Ritsutsa that something above or beneath a body becomes Tame. So in this case also, if someone's above or beneath the body in the barrel, they become Tame. So that is how the Rambam makes sense of all these cases, and it ties together three rulings of the Rambam, that the barrel in this case is Tahor because it's made of wood and has a lot of holes in it. Second, that when the barrel has Tuma inside of it, underneath it is only Tame directly underneath the Tuma. And third, that Tuma Ritsutsa applies even in the open air. Now the Raivit disagrees with all three of these Rambams, and he interprets that the case of the Mishnah is talking about a barrel of Cheres, so it only gets Tuma from inside and not from outside. So that's why in the case where the Tuma is on top or below, the Tuma continues all the way up or down because of the rules of Ohel, but it doesn't go into the barrel because the barrel is Cheres, so it doesn't become Tame. But in the case where the Tuma is inside of the barrel, so then the barrel does become Tame, so it no longer minimizes the airspace underneath it. So that's why according to the Raivid, the whole airspace underneath it is like a regular Ohel and everything is Tame. Now the Raivid holds that there's no Tuma Ritsutsa in any of these cases because they're all like in open air. So there's no Tuma Ritsutsa in those cases. So anytime we say that there's a direct line of Tuma going up and down, it must be referring to the Tuma that comes from Ohel that if someone is on top of a dead body, they become Tame. Now in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim adds that there's a fourth debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, which is part of this whole mix. As we said, the Halacha for a clay cheres, an earthenware vessel, is that it doesn't become tame if the tuma touches the outside, only if it's put inside. So the Rambam in Hilchus Kalim Yud Gimel Hay adds that not only if the tuma was placed inside the vessel, but even shekafuhu al hatuma hamunachas al haaretz v'nasa ohel aleha, even if the tuma was lying on the ground and someone put the clay cheres upside down on top of it, so now this earthenware vessel is lying on top of the tuma. That's also tame because very simply the tuma is inside of it even though it's upside down so it's not only when the tuma is placed inside of the vessel but even when the vessel is placed on top of the tuma it's still tame and the Rambam adds that the source for this halacha is the rabbis had a tradition that the extra language in the Torah el tocho inside of it comes to include not only if someone put the tuma in the vessel but even if they put the vessel on top of the tuma so according to the Rambam, this is what we're learning out from the word El Tocho. So the Raivid disagrees. He says that practically the Rambam is certainly correct, but we don't need a Pasuk to teach us that if the vessel was put on top of the Tuma, it's still Tame. That's obvious. That's the same thing as putting it inside of the vessel. There's no difference between putting the Tuma in the vessel or putting the vessel on top of the Tuma. So we don't need an extra Pasuk in order to teach us the Halacha that the Rambam is deriving. What we do need the Pasuk to teach us according to the Raivid is a case of a Sheda Teva Omigdal, a very large box of earthenware, so a large vessel, which is not considered a vessel anymore, it's now considered an Ohel, and the Raivid describes this because a vessel, in order to protect the things inside of it, needs Tzamid Pasil, it needs to be sealed, and then it protects anything inside of it from becoming Tameh, whereas an Ohel does not need to be sealed, because an Ohel itself blocks the Tumah from coming in. So in this case of a large earthenware vessel, which holds 40 saw, so now 
it's not considered a vessel anymore. It's considered an ohel, so it doesn't need to be sealed to protect the things inside of it. It automatically protects the things inside. So we would have also thought that if there's tumma inside of this very large vessel, maybe it's treated as if it's inside a house and it doesn't make the whole vessel tame because it's no longer considered an earthenware vessel. So that's what the Torah comes to tell us, that even though this vessel protects from tumma as if it was a house, but if there's tumma inside of it, it still retains the status of a klecheres and the whole thing becomes tame. So according to the Raivid, this is really a counterintuitive piece of information. It's not obvious the way the Rambam's was. This is something we would not have known on our own because since it's such a large vessel that it has the status of a house with regards to protecting the things inside of it from tumma, we would have thought that if there's tumma inside of it, it's also like a house. So the Torah comes to tell us, El Tocho, that even so it's still considered a clay cheres. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid, whether the words El Tocho are coming to include placing a clay cheres on top of the tumma or a very large clay cheres, which has the status of a house, that even so, if there's tumma inside of it, it has the status of a clay cheres. Now, Reb Chaim points out, where did the Raivid know that a very large clay cheres has the status of a house and it protects the things inside of it, even without Samid Pasil, meaning it protects like an ohel and not like a vessel. From where did the Raivid derive this? So Rab Chaim explains it's from the unit of Mishnayis that we've been dealing with because in those Mishnas that deal with the Kaveras, the barrel, one of the Mishnas says, Bizman dina If the barrel is very large, then it has the status of an Ohel and it blocks the Tumah from coming in. Now according to the Raivid, the case of the barrel in the Mishnah is a Kaveras of Cheres. It's an earthenware barrel and still the Mishnah said that if it's very large, it's treated like an ohel and it protects everything inside of it even without being sealed. So this is the source for the Ravid's ruling that a large clay cheres is treated like an ohel as opposed to like a vessel. But the Rambam understands that kaveres in the Mishnah is talking about a wooden barrel, not an earthenware barrel. So the Rambam has no source in the Mishnah that a large earthenware vessel is treated like an ohel. That might only apply to wooden vessels. But it could be that when it comes to clay cheres, there is no difference between a small or a large earthenware vessel. So basically, the way the Rambam understands these Mishnahs, talking about a wooden barrel, there's no source for the Ravid's distinction between a large and a small klecheres, that a large one loses the status of a vessel and it's considered an ohel. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, even though this sounds surprising, why shouldn't there be a difference between a small and a large earthenware vessel when there is a difference from vessels of other materials, but says Rab Chaim, there would be good evidence for this view of the Rambam that he's developing, that there's no difference when it comes to Klecheres from the Mishnah at the beginning of Alos chapter 12, which deals with the case of a Tanor, an oven. So the Mishnah rules if there's a Nesser Shuhunasun Alpi Tanor Chadash, if there's a board on top of a new oven, so it hasn't been fired up, it's not considered a full oven, it's just a piece of earthenware which is sitting there, and there's a board on top of it. So if there's Tumah underneath it, the vessels which are on top of the board are tahor, meaning this oven contraption blocks the tumah from going up. But if it's an old oven, so it's already been used, so now it's considered a clay cheres, it's an earthenware vessel because it's already been designated as an oven. So in that case, the tumah does go through because like any vessel, it doesn't block the tumah from going up. So in that case, it must be referring to a very large oven, which is considered
certain ohel, because that's the only way, if it's new, it could block the tumah. If it's smaller and it's a vessel, so no vessel ever blocks the tumah from going up. So the fact that a new oven, which hasn't been used, does block the tumah, means that obviously we're talking about a very large oven, which is the size of a room, so it's considered an ohel and not a vessel. And still the Mishnah says that if it's an old oven, so it's been used, it's now considered a vessel and not a room, so it does not block the tumah from going up. So this is very solid evidence to the view that Rab Chaim's developing, that when it comes to clay cheres, even if it's very large, so kalim of other materials would be considered an ohel, but a clay cheres remains a vessel, even if it's very large. So now if we take what Rab Chaim just proved from the Mishnah in chapter 12, dealing with an oven, and we plug it back into the unit of Mishnahs in chapter 9, dealing with the kaveres, so we'll see how the Rambam's interpretation emerges from all this very beautifully. The Rambam learned from chapter 12 that when it comes to clay cheres, there's no difference whether it's small or large. So then when he went back to chapter 9 and he saw that the Mishnah talks about imba'a if it's very large, there's a distinction, it's considered an ohel and not a vessel, so the Rambam said, aha, it must not be referring to a clay cheres, this barrel cannot be talking about an earthenware barrel, it must be a wooden barrel. But if so, when the Mishnah said that if the tumah's inside of the barrel, hakol tameh, everything is Tameh, it can't mean that literally because underneath the wooden barrel would not be Tameh because again, there's no Tefach airspace. So the whole area under there cannot be Tameh. So says the Rambam, it must be that it doesn't mean literally everything. It means mostly everything, but the area underneath the barrel is not Tameh except for the area directly under the Tumah. So this is how the Rambam arrived at his whole interpretation of this unit of Mishnahs in chapter 9, that when it talks about the Kaveras, it's not talking about a klecheres, but it's talking about a wooden kaveres. And again, as Rabbi Chaim said in the beginning, the reason why the barrel itself doesn't become tameh when there's tumah on top of it or below it is, as the El Yaraba explained, because it has a lot of holes in the barrel. As opposed to the Raivid who holds that there is a distinction between a small versus a large Klecheres, that a large Klecheres is considered an Ohel. That's what he said explicitly in Hilchus Kalim. So based on that, when the Raivid was learning in chapter 9, the Mishnahs of Kaveres, and the Mishnah said in Ba'a that if it's a large vessel, it's considered an Ohel. So the Raivid said, that's fine. It could still be a Kaveres of Cheres. It could still be an earthenware barrel. And that would still make sense that if it's large, it's considered an ohel. So now applying that, said the Raivid, that's preferable because now we can explain the line in the Mishnah that if the Tumah is inside of it, hakol tameh, literally, that everything is tameh. The whole area on top and the whole area on the bottom because since this vessel became tameh, since the Tumah is inside of it, that's the rule of Klecheres, that the whole thing is tameh. So now the whole area beneath it is also tameh. And very brilliantly, this explains why if the Tumah is on top or below the barrel, the stuff inside the barrel is not Tameh because since it's a Klecheres, it does not become Tameh from the outsides. So this is the Ravid's very brilliant interpretation of the Mishnah. And this is Rab Chaim's very brilliant piece to explain how the Rambam and the Ravid both interpret the unit of Mishnayis in chapter 9 about a Kaveres. They each have their own interpretation and Rab Chaim connects four different debates between the Rambam and the Ravid together.